Hello, folks, and welcome to another edition of Variable V Postulate Ensemble Projects. This is your friendly neighborhood studio man, Nick Drawsoff here. Well, this podcast has become more of an audio blog in that I don't really have a consistent season schedule. I've kind of given up on that. Uh, when you're small time, it's difficult to keep things going in that way. So I've decided to just post a pod now and then when I run across something uh, that really intrigues me. And I most certainly have done that today. I've been working on, with a trumpet coach as I work on my comeback. Um, I've posted on that uh, with my actual blog a few times. And uh, he introduced me to the playing of a relatively unknown to the larger world, trumpeter in Mad... Ah, boy, I'm going to try to get this pronunciation right. Uh, Magdeburg, Germany. Uh, that's near Berlin. This trumpeter is Marcus Finkler. Marcus, I apologize for my <laughs> a Midwestern Chicago accent, but I'll do the best I can here. Marcus is a remarkable trumpeter with an extraordinary range, yet he has an excellent command of the more delicate side of the horn. I'm going to do an interview with Marcus of sorts. In my recent pods, I've just been having a conversation and seeing where it leads us, just improvising. However, in this case, we had a time barrier and a language barrier. I only speak English and bad English, <laughs> uh, whereas Marcus speaks German and some English. That having been said, though, I did not want to put him on the spot, so I sent a list of questions, and he gave audio answers. I'm cutting the show together in the style of an interview, so it may feel a little stilted, but, you know, uh, it, is, <laughs> it is an indirect conversation. Before we get going, let's hear him play. Here is the first movement of the Hummel Trumpet Concerto. Thank you. 
Now on to our conversation, as it were. Marcus, when did you decide to make music your life's work? How did you know? When I was 15 years old, my teacher told me that he could very well imagine that I would study music and later work as a trumpeter in the orchestra. I didn't know at the time that playing the trumpet was a profession, but I liked that idea. Within a very short time, I realized that I was going to do just that. Now, all I had to do was to convince my parents. After all, I needed a piano now, because for my studies you also have to be able to play some piano. And my father agreed, so I was ready to go. How did you start working? How did your career begin? I got my first permanent job in the orchestra 26 years ago. Before that, I worked again and again as a temp in many different orchestras and as a freelance trumpeter. In the meantime, I've worked with almost all of the major German orchestras and many great conductors. Marcus, what was your first big break? I already had my first big breakthrough for my feelings during my studies. I was in a deep crisis at the time and barely able to play anything reasonable on the trumpet. My approach had completely disappeared and I didn't know why. After an involuntary change of teacher and a year of hard work, he was, for me, suddenly back and better than ever. Because I was about to give up, this feels like a big breakthrough. Can you comment on what it's like to have a steady gig, like in a symphony or a theater, versus being a total freelance player? Since I'm a classical trumpeter in an opera orchestra, I find myself in a luxurious situation of having a permanent job and a regular monthly income. This is a great advantage, especially now during this pandemic. In addition, I have statutory pension and health insurance. Germany is, um, so to speak, a paradise for orchestral musicians. There are over 130 professional orchestras here in a country with about 83 million inhabitants. Of course, this also has disadvantages. I can't choose what I have to play. I always play with the same colleagues and due to the fixed contracts, there's no real pressure to perform, which causes some colleagues to practice less. 
What pitfalls did you experience or feel that you can comment on? Of course, I've worked as a freelancer before, and I still do today. Of course, there is a lack of regular income and all the insurance. There are good gigs, but you also have to travel a lot and always excellent performances. However, the remaining options are not well paid. Here's to pay has fallen significantly in recent decades. The best thing for me as a freelancer was that I always got to know new excellent musicians and great projects. Life as an orchestra musician is probably more pleasant, but not necessarily more valuable, especially from an artistic point of view. Let me ask, did you decide ever to get a day gig? And a follow-up question, is teaching private lessons a form of a day gig? As an orchestral trumpeter, I don't have so much time for other things, except to work freelance from time to time and to teach a little. Above all, teaching gives me a lot of pleasure, and that's why I don't see it as a gig, but as a profitable experience for teachers and students, which both should also have fun with. Did you ever take a hiatus, a break in playing? No, so far I have not taken a long break, except for my annual vacation. I have too much fun making music for that. How did that experience of teaching and uh, mixing, playing together uh, affect your music as of now? I have had very positive experiences with it, except for the first 10 years of my studies. Unfortunately, I didn't take a day off at all, not even a holiday. That was certainly not encouraging. But at least it contributed to the fact that I still like to practice today, which helps me enormously. I think I can say that I have evolved over the last three decades and still do. Marcus, how much time do you devote to practice and are you able to devote much time uh, to developing work uh, for your music business? I practice about three to four hours a day if my service allows. In addition, I play in the theater so that there is little time for the business, unfortunately. Let's take a little break in our conversation and listen to the rest of the Hummel Trumpet Concerto performed by Marcus Finkler.
When I got into the music business professionally, it was 1981. I developed some very specific marketing and sales techniques I learned from various books on the subject. At the time, some of my friends thought I was off the wall to put together a demo tape and a promo kit that I used to shop around for work, but the process did work. Things have changed dramatically through the time, through the last 40 years or so. Promo is done online these days, but the work isn't the same. The jingle recording sessions are essentially gone. Theater orchestras have been pared down due to technology. For jobbing, uh, was diminished by DJs. Uh, the iPod mix and jobbing dates are much harder to come by. How do musicians from your generation deal with getting work in this climate? Yes, time times have changed. Yes, we used to make demo tapes, and now people almost laugh about it. Most of it happens online, and has become more global anyway. I had neither internet nor mobile phone for the first fifteen years, so the viewers only directed at my own environment which of course limits you very much. In the past, there were even more orchestras in Germany as well as larger orchestras. So there were also more vacancies. And the competition for these jobs used to be lower because of the less global situation. That's why it has become much harder to get one of the coveted orchestral positions. But obviously, the cultural landscape has came to terms with it. Because by no means are fewer musicians being trained. Back in the day, jobbing bands or wedding bands, and that is something I know you don't do a whole lot of, Marcus, um, because they're mainly an orchestral player. But you know, the band leaders and contractors used to charge $400, $600 a man, pay out 250 for a three-hour engagement, and the difference went into their pockets to pay the overhead, you know, for paying the roadies, for example. Is this still a thing uh, with the next generation of musicians, or is the effort more of a, a communal project? Here I can only speak for classical music. The payment for good and hard work has become rather worse for freelance musicians as um, there are more and more of them. Here, too, the impression arises that the clients are the higher earners. Even without a pandemic, it's hard to hold your own in the market. That's why it was natural for us permanent musicians to help the freelancers during this time. Most of them have to teach or do something else anyway in order to make a living from it. But also many students have stayed away during this time, in addition to the gigs. At least it feels like many freelance musicians or their situation are being exploited. Over the past 40 years, music has changed in staggering ways. What would, describe, what, what would you describe as a necessary survival skills today? Particularly in 2021, the pandemic has totally disrupted live music performance all over the world to different degrees. How do you cope? I believe 
that is important to be well positioned. That means building on multiple pillars, to be flexible and not to rely on just one. Playing, teaching, writing, arranging, organizing, creating festivals, forming bands. All of these things are, very, uh, are ways to generate different sources of income. Since I have a permanent job that is subsidized by the city, the country, the politics, I have no problem surviving. We all consider music and art. In this day and age of a wildly changing landscape in the music business, how does competition impact the camaraderie of music making in this day and age? Despite all camaraderie, I don't know if she was different before. Of course, the industry has changed, the competition has become bigger and tougher. Just because of globalization. Also, the fight for the best gigs. Nevertheless, I, I have personally had a good experiences with uh, camaraderie and good cooperation again and again and still do. I have to say, since I have been intensively involved in jazz, these experiences have become more. The climate in the classic scene seems a bit more um, irritable to me. But maybe I'm wrong too. Marcus, can you comment on sexism, ageism or racism as it seems to impact on art music these days? How do you feel these issues have changed over the decades? This has also changed a lot, at least in the classic scene. In the past, there were hardly any women and few foreign colleagues in the orchestras. Thank God that has changed a lot. This is definitely a win for both sides. Even among the brass players, there are more and more women in the orchestras. The problem of white and black hardly plays a role here. The same applies, at least in Germany, to the freelance scene. Marcus, do you still just go out to listen to other players, even locals? Yes, of course. I always like to listen to other musicians whenever possible. Good music is always worth hearing, and you can learn so much yourself. And listening to good musicians should be a matter, of course, for each of us. Okay, my concluding question with all my guests is basically this. Here's the premise. We want to encourage newer musicians to pursue their dreams. How do you advise them to do this wisely in this current climate? Absolutely. Follow your dream. Work hard and continuously. And never let yourself be distracted from your path. Always keep your eyes and ears open. The reward for this will come. Well, I want to thank Marcus for participating in this unusual effort. Marcus Pinkler plays with the... Uh, boy, I'm going, to get the, I'm going to try to get my pronunciation correct here. Marcus plays with the Magdeburg Philharmonic Orchestra that's near Berlin and is teaching on LessonFace.com. He is also part of the Outreach Jazz Festival in Schwaz, Austria. 
Well, folks, that's it for another edition of the Variable D Possible Ensemble Projects. Hope you enjoyed today's program. And uh, look forward to sharing it again with you at an undisclosed time in the future. In the meantime, don't stop the music. Peace. <laughs>